Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This episode is powered by denmeditation.com. The meditation is the primary focus. The bigger goal is for people to understand and love themselves, thus creating more harmony in the community at large. To find out more about Den Meditation's teacher training programs, retreats, and all things Den Meditation, go to denmeditation.com. Welcome to Den Talks Podcast. This is Tal, your host and the founder of Den Meditation. We have Gal Sasan on today. I've had him on a bunch of times. He is one of my favorite astrologers to talk to. He is incredible. He is brilliant. Um, and we have a treat for you today because it's kind of the forecast from what's been happening these last couple of weeks to what's happening through the fall and even further. We talk about major shifts happening in the sky and how it affects you, how it affects our planet and how it affects our country and other countries. Um, I think you will be really intrigued and everyone, especially if you have any interest in astrology, should absolutely listen to this. And it'll give you more self-awareness on things you can be working on right now, things you can be letting go of right now. And again, how do you just use these energies to help you? He is your guy and this is your episode. Um, also, on top of this, a great and exciting announcement if you want a chance to study with him. Again, a world-renowned astrologer. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. He's incredible. He's doing an Astrology 101 course with us at denmeditation.com. It starts soon, August 23rd. It goes for eight weeks. It is live, but online. So you can do this from anywhere. It's going to be at 5.30 p.m. West Coast time, 8.30 p.m. East Coast time for an hour and a half. Again, if you miss a class, no big deal. The recording is there for you. And you have those recordings, I think, up to six months. So you can take this course at whatever pace you would like. But obviously, if you want to be on there and ask questions and get more personal interaction, you try and show up live. It's going to be amazing. And like I said, if you've studied astrology before, but not with him, this is still a perfect course to take because the way he brings in all of the elements of how he studies is going to be a take that you've never heard before. And if you've never studied astrology at all, this is also a perfect class because he really does go through the basics. So go to denmeditation.com, sign up now. It's in a couple weeks, August 23rd. It's so soon. Give it a go. And like I said, eight weeks. So we hope to see you there. Enjoy this episode. Enjoy the forecast. And, you know, buckle up. Lots happening. Yay, we have Gall. And anyone who's been listening to this podcast regularly knows he's one of my all-time favorite guests. I love having you on. I love chatting with you. You know you're one of my favorite humans, period. Um, how are you? How have you been? Very good. Traveling a lot. Um, twice a year, I go on a big journey to remind myself that the world is round and that there's a lot of other cultures and other foods and other climates and other places. Because I basically do the same thing. I teach just teach classes and I do readings. So the only difference is just doing it in different places and then seeing how astrology translates itself differently to different cultures. So what is Leo maybe, which is entertainment and theater for LA and New York, Leo in Singapore could be something completely different. And in Zurich, it could mean something completely different. It's always interesting to see how astrology travels through cultures, remains a little bit the same, but also adjusts itself like a dialogue that humans can speak differently. How do you, so that's really interesting. So, you know, we're in Leo season now. So how does that work for you? Is this something you feel like, you're already aware of or do you go does it intuitively come to you or do you just start to see how it's playing out like how do you start to see how the language shifts i think after you swim a long time you don't pay attention to the strokes you just go with it but you're aware of where you are and you kind of navigate yourself you you breathe sometimes a little bit different the same thing with astrology i basically know my chart i also know the general things that are happening out there um, because that's one of the reasons why i love doing the books for each year because it's a very hard work, for me at least. I don't like writing. I don't have any air signs, so I'm not supposed to be writing. I'm not supposed to be speaking. And anyway, I write every year another book that lasts just for a few months. It's like my mandala. You know, the mandalas, you come and you have the sand paintings that the lamas uh, paint at least do it for like a month, and then the, the head lama comes and just destroys it and sends it back to the river to teach them in permanence. 
Same mm. thing happens with me with my book of astrology. They don't have a very long shelf life. You know, I basically wrote seven books every year since 2018, and they just, after a few months, they go to the cyberspace. I don't know. But what it does to me, it helps me focus my energy on the year ahead and really prepare myself for the readings, knowing precisely the trends that are happening. You know, so that's something very important in astrology. It's not only what's happening tomorrow or uh, what's happening this week for Aries or Taurus and so forth. It's like, what is the general trends that we're going through? And the same thing with economy. It's very similar, like the bull market, the, the, the bull market, the bear market, you know, certain trends. The same thing goes with astrology. For example, one of the biggest things, that's why I decided to make my 2024 book feel like a manual of a pilot. So the whole thing mm. is going to be, you guys are going on a journey. And your job is to beam up to your spacecraft, Pluto, because once in 250 years, Pluto moves from Capricorn to Aquarius. And it's been starting to happen this year from March. We started seeing a lot of movements from March. That's where AI started getting really uh, in the in the limelight. I'm here in Israel. That's when the demonstrations here against the judicial uh, overall was going on. So there's a lot of places in the world that things started shifting because Pluto moved from Capricorn after it's been there since the Great Recession, 2008 into Aquarius and then it returned back to Capricorn now it's going back to Aquarius then it's going back to Capricorn it's kind of like a slow planet that goes back and forth and at the end of 2024 it's settling in Aquarius for 20 years and the last time it happened was the French Revolution the American Constitution was written the Industrial Revolution happened so we're looking for 20 years of revolution and people say you know last year I wrote that we're entering the age of quantum mechanic and AI and Bill Gates, just a few months ago, wrote, we are entering the age of AI and quantum mechanics. And I'm sure he didn't read my book. But the idea is that astrology but astrology does, it's not about predicting, it's understanding trends and applying it to our personal life. So for me, this whole 2024, which we're preparing for, is taking the Capricorn, which is the past and tradition, and upgrading it and updating it into Aquarius, which is the future. So because there is such a big adjustment, there is going to be push and pull, because Pluto is power. So power has been in Capricorn, which is more conservative, more traditional. That's why the populist movement started coming from 2008. You know, Now we're moving into Aquarius, which is more power to the people, technology, innovation, artificial intelligence, quantum mechanics, everything has to do with aliens. I just read it in 2024, a bipartisan uh, committee decided to publish everything the government has about aliens. Of course, because Aquarius is the sign of aliens, and it's coming in 2024. So it's really interesting for me to see this happening as cycles and then understand what's happening in the news. Sometimes people tell me, oh, you pay attention too much to the news. You're reading the news. Of course I'm reading the news. How are you going to apply as above or below? It's not something theoretical. It has to be practical. Astrology is not practical. We have no use of it. So I think that the way to work with astrology, and that's what I try to show people, is that it's like a journey, and along the journey, you meet certain characters. For example, the trickster, Mercury, is going to start retrograding August 23rd to September 17th, coming up right now. You know, right on the first day, we're going to do the uh, start the workshop on astrology. That's kind of interesting because people that are going to sign into it are going to not learn anything new, but remind themselves of astrology that they have learned in past lifetimes. That's what Mercury mm. does, reminds us instead of tell us something new. So, you know, that the trickster is going to come visit you. So it's kind of exciting. Because the trickster, where is he going to trick me? What are they going to be the twists and, ch and changes in the story? That's why we love TV shows, because there's cliffhangers. And there's always something surprising in the last minute. Who did it? The butler did it. You know, all of these things are like characters that we have up there. Now Venus is retrograding. I don't know if you noticed, but Venus is retrograding. It started uh, just now in 23rd of um, July. I've been feeling it. September 5th. So all of these things are, for me, not like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? For me, it's like, let's see what happens and how can we work with it? You know, how is it going to make our story more interesting, more exciting? Well, let's talk about so many of these transits. But also, I like your point of what you're saying. Learning your chart or learning how to read astrology is so interesting because, like you said, you just get to see kind of the players and the scenes that are coming to you. And it doesn't mean it gives you these specific answers because I love the, I love having this conversation with you because you are such a practical, practical human. So having someone like that talk about astrology, I think, helps those who might be like, that's bullshit. It's meh, meh, meh. I really think it helps people understand how you can use it in a practical way. And it doesn't take over your life. It's not like you give up your own 
knowledge and your own intuition and your own sense to just follow something, you know, that's just dangling out there in the stars. It's how you use it. Like you said, of how do you say, you always say above and then below. What do you always say? You have that phrase. As above, so below. Oh yeah, as, as above, above, so below. So talk a little bit about that idea of, you know, why it's just so helpful to A, especially while you're doing this workshop, why it's so helpful to know your chart, but also to understand what's happening as above. The same way that we all use uh, Google Maps or whatever GPS system you're using, you're, you're typing in where, where you want to be and you always have to say where you are. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to have your direction. And that's the same thing. Astrology is kind of a GPS of the soul. It's trying to tell you how to navigate the best in a situation that already exists. So that's always what I see as astrology. You know, sometimes Vedic astrologers are a little bit more about fate. Everything needs to happen and that's it. In the West, we have much more free will or we appreciate free will much more. So the idea is that, re that, that astrology is some kind of a wedding connection between how much uh, we have fate and how much we have free will within it. It's very similar to genetics and um, environment. You know, you have a certain range that the genes give you, but within it, your choices can determine if you're going to have diabetes or not. You know, so the same thing with astrology. So the idea is that when you know your chart, you know your capabilities, you know your uh, DNA. It's like 23andMe. You know, you know where you come from, you know you have your... Um, strength, your weaknesses, and then what astrology does, it tells you certain junctions, which are when you have a little bit more faith, a little bit more free will, and how to navigate certain situations. For example, you're 27 to 30, it's inevitable you're going through a Saturn return, a lot of pressures, a lot of extra responsibility, dealing with people who are older, you know, you feel like somebody's standing behind you constantly checking to see what you're doing, what you're reading, where you're going, what you're eating, where you're dating. And always you hear this question, why? Why are you going here? Why are you dressed like that? That's the Saturn return. It's inevitable. 56 to 60, it happens again. You know, 84 to 88, it's happening again. But within those ranges, you have a lot of free will. Depends on your chart. So if you know, for example, that your Saturn, I, for example, knew that Saturn moved last June, and not this June, but June before, into my house of pain and suffering, letting go, separation. It's like the worst place possible. Okay. I said to myself, I, it's inevitable. My Saturn entered there. I'm in the limbo. I'm in like the, uh, you know, the dark forest. But what do I do? I offer something to Saturn to let go of. Instead of Saturn deciding what he wants to cut away from me, I'll cut something out. And I thought, what is the thing I should cut out? And I decided sugar because I love sugar. And in my coffee twice a day, I had sugar. And I had my healthy little cookie that probably had sugar, date sugar, honey, whatever. I was like a cookie, cookie monster. And I had to break it away because the pain from it the separation from it uh, was very intense. But then I saw that I benefited from it. So other people, they move into Saturn in the house of pain and suffering, and they have to deal with hospitals. They have to deal with letting go of relationships that are toxic. Of course, because when Saturn entered your house, you should have looked around and see who are the relationships that are toxic. Break away from them before they break away from you or before Saturn forces you to do it. So what I'm saying is that when you know your chart and you know the major events that are happening, you can become a master of your faith instead of a victim of your faith. And that is something that gives us a lot of power. That's amazing. Talk about, you know, you said Pluto is power. So talk about a little bit why when Pluto goes somewhere in the chart or transits somewhere in your chart, it, it almost makes people nervous. Like explain, explain what that's about. Like explain a little bit, expand more on what Pluto means um, Pluto and how it operates. Pluto is in mythology, the Lord of the Yandu. I mean, how great can it be? You're talking about uh, Hades, you know, the one that uh, guards the souls of the dead. Of course, there is no Hades, there is no Pluto, but it's a mythological explanation of that archetype. It's power, it's raw power. It's like um, in Roman, in Latin, Pluto is riches. Whatever comes from the earth uh, enriches us. If it's plutonium, if it's rare earth, if it's gold, if it's diamond, if it's food, everything comes from the earth, you know? so. What that energy, that raw, crude energy is called Pluto, it's power. That's why when um, people who are rich rule the country, it's called plutocracy, right? The, the ruling of the, of, the power of the rich. So the idea is that Pluto is a very slow planet. It's the planet that is the furthest away from the sun. That's why it takes 250 years to go around the sun. And it represents the edge of the solar system. Beyond that point, the monsters lurk. So it's always representing that um, 
fear that we have from the unknown, the mysterious. And it's the ruler of Scorpio. So uh, Scorpio is not a very easy sign. Scorpio is the Lord of Death. So we're talking about an archetype that has to do with sexuality, death, criminals, uh, power, like we said. So whenever it's moving a sign, the power shifts from one sign to the other. It's like from one party uh, that rules to the other. So the same thing that there is a lot of change, you know, you saw it in the Godfather. Remember when uh, when he, he inherited his father's power, there were a lot of murders around. There was a cleanse. There was a purification of the old regime. In a sense. So that's what's happening to us right now. And it's very dramatic because Pluto moved into Capricorn. We had the Great Recession. I mean, think about it. Pluto is power, Pluto is money, Pluto is other people's money, resources, moved into Capricorn, which is all about structure and fear. Immediately, the Great Recession happened. Now, it's moving away from there. The only thing is, because it's moving very slow, it goes back and forth between the forces of the past and the forces of the future. And Pluto is actually moving into the sign of humanity for the first time in 250 years. Now, in the book, when I was writing it, uh, that section, I realized... You know, I don't know if you guys saw Oppenheimer. It's a great movie. Highly recommend. Uh, and it, there is the, the whole idea of quantum mechanics started with the duality of light. So light, particles of light function as particles, but also as a wave, which is a paradox. So it's interesting that we started working with quantum mechanics on this paradox. And that's what, what the rabbit hole that everybody went through to create this new science. And the idea is that in astrology, it's the same thing. You can say Pluto in Aquarius, this and this and this happened in the late 18th century. Okay, great. But it's a whole story. And every time we have Pluto in Aquarius, they weave together into a wave, you know, because it's like a, a story. It's almost like, you know, in TV shows, you have episode every episode, but also there's an arc to the season. So the same thing with Pluto. For example, I'm in Israel right now, and when I checked to see Pluto in Aquarius, I found out that the Jerusalem, the second temple of Jerusalem, was destroyed when Pluto was in Aquarius. The same place it is right now moving into. And that's why in last year's book, I warned in Israel, there's going to be a lot of problems because Pluto is coming back to the place where Jerusalem was destroyed, you know, creating the whole diaspora and, and basically creating Judaism in a sense. So, for example, last time we had Pluto in Aquarius, we had the Industrial Revolution. Oh, it sounds great. You know, people came out of poverty. Great. Now, 250 years later. Uh, we're so hot. Uh, now, I think the UN came up with a report just now, I think a week ago, that there is beyond doubt this kind of heat wave that has happened to us in 2023 is beyond doubt man-made. And that's it. There is no more like talking about it. What's your opinion? There is no opinion. Okay, that's it. It's done. At least according to science, it's done. Of course, because the Industrial Revolution started all of this... Um, tradition into coal, coal into fossil fuel. Then we started opening the, the ozone layer, blah, blah, blah. The next thing you know, man-made man um, climate change. So that's, again, Pluto in Aquarius. What does it mean? Pluto power back to the people. Now we can maybe fix it. So the idea is that these cycles are repeating, and it's always important for us to look. That's why history is so connected to astrology. Now, obviously, you didn't live 250 years ago. But, for example, Jupiter now is in Taurus. That's one of the reasons why I think that people are coming out of uh, the inflation, because I talked about it last week, last year in the book, that Jupiter in Taurus is going to help us financially. It's going to help because Taurus is money. It's every 12 years, and you've been living more than 12 years. Okay, so go back 12 years ago, 24 years ago, 36 years ago. Taurus is talents. Taurus is money. What happened to you financially then? What kind of talents did you expose or explore? You know, what skills came up? Saturn happens every 30 years. Okay, so what happened to you 30 years ago? Start building that 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 wave to understand what Saturn or how Saturn interacts. So that's one of the reasons why I love astrology, because it's not only like what's going to happen tomorrow. It's not a fortune-telling thing. It's not about the future, even though Aquarius is the ruler of future and Aquarius is the ruler of astrology. The idea is to understand where you are, understand the past and the cycles, and decide what you want to make of your future. So when you say, you know, Pluto's going back and forth a little bit until it sets, when does it completely set in Aquarius? End of November. So it's going to miss the um, end of November next year, 2024. So it's going to be right. interesting that we're going to have Pluto in Capricorn, which is actually more traditional in the election of the United States in 2024. Because whenever scary. it's moving to Aquarius, it's more about power to the people, future. Whenever it's in Capricorn, the power is given back to the traditionalist and because it's the last time it's happening you know when when, when people that hold on to power are going to be very obsessed and that's you know what happens uh, when people are obsessed about staying in power 
So that's what I was going to ask, you know, before we started recording and you and I were just chatting, especially with what's going on in Israel, which is emblematic of what's going on in a lot of places, including the U.S. And we were saying it's you can see that it's um, a lot of going backwards sometimes before we go forwards. Do you feel like part of that, too, is when you look at like the pendulum swing of like Pluto going back and forth, like you said, between the old to the new, that's a little bit of what's happening, too, is like pulling back old and then going new, which is why we're still in this crazy power struggle, even though we're on the precipice. Yeah, and every time you change, because not only we are moving from one sign to the other, but we're also moving from one age to the other. And an age lasts 2,160 years. That's called the grand year that takes 26 years uh, to go around. That's why we have the ages, basically, because the Earth is tilted 23 degrees and it wobbles. So that wobbling takes 26 years, 26,000 years. So the idea is that we're moving into the age of Aquarius right, right. when Pluto is moving into Aquarius. You know, so it's like, it, go ahead. Sorry. And it's also interesting that, again, what of the whole thing about the AI that kind of exploded right when Pluto started moving into Aquarius for the first time in 250 years in March is because technology innovation is Aquarius and Pluto is power. So people are starting to say we're giving power to the AI. Will it steal our jobs? Will it destroy humanity? Uh, what's going to be the future like? You know, all of these competitions about what's going to be the future like based on the issue of innovation technology and how we're going to actually use it. Well, it is so interesting that Aquarius represents both humanity and, you know, relationships. I mean, I mean not relationships like love relationships, but like people, Friends. friendships, right? Community. Um, as well as technology and AI. So it is like, how do you balance that when the power goes into that of this innate power struggle that we're feeling right now with the strikes and with other things of between AI and humanity when it's under that same kind of umbrella? You know, I thought a lot about why is Aquarius called the water bearer? Oh, yeah, he has a bucket. Yeah, but why does he have a bucket? It's not a water sign. And then I thought about it because astrology was developed in Sumeria. Uh, later on in Babylon. That's a place where there's a lot of rivers, and it's the first place where we had uh, humanity develop cities, develop agriculture, domesticated humans, domesticated animals, domesticated plants, right? That's the place where it happened. So what is Aquarius? Aquarius is technology. What was the technology back then? Canals. Because without canals, we couldn't control the tides and the, and the flow of these rivers. They were very chaotic. It's not like the Nile that just went through there and there's no problem. So I think that the idea of Hey, you know, those Aquarians, they came up with the idea of canals because that brings the water to you. It's crazy technology. You don't have to go and get the bucket and move the water from one place to the other. The water comes to you. And from that, we developed other things. So the idea is that it made hum humans have more time to do other things. For example, develop their talents, start creating communities. Again, for cities, for societies happened in Sumeria and then in Babylon, right? In Mesopotamia. That's where we started. Okay? So the idea is that Aquarius gave us the ability to create a community, to create people. Technology is supposed to help us. Now, as we develop this technology, the technology is our kid, in a sense. You know, God created us in, their, in his or her own image, according to Genesis. We are creating a technology in our own image. Oh, my God, they're thinking for themselves. Oh, my God, they, they draw. Oh, my God, they're creative. Oh, my God, they have a conversation with me. Yes, they're becoming, they're, they're humanites, in a sense. And the other thing interesting is that Aquarius also rules aliens. Aliens right. are also supposed to be our, our community. And I think that the biggest message of Aquarius is that everything is one. It doesn't matter if it's technology. It doesn't matter if it's robots. It doesn't matter if it's uh, aliens. It doesn't matter if it's plants. Everything is part of this one. This, this community of oneness is basically what we're here to learn, in a sense. And so in some ways, is it like a lesson that... AI doesn't necessarily have to be a threat, but that feels like it would be more when we also are just shifting how we function as a society as a whole. Because right now we still function under like the Capricorn ideas. And so therefore AI does feel like a threat because it's all about money and trade and barter and use and function. Because Capricorn is I use. And Capricorn is ruling the tarot card by the devil, not because they're demonic but because they represent the fear of survival. They represent the replacement theory, you know, the replacement theory that was cast against the Jews. And now it's cast against immigrants. They come here to replace us. 
this replacement theory, the idea is that also AI is here to replace us. You know, it's the same kind of concern that people had in the Industrial Revolution. I mean, people used to destroy machines and burn them because they thought they're going to replace them. What happened really is that it lifted a lot of people out of poverty. You know, that's what really happened. So the idea is that um, it depends on us. You know, AI could be used to improve humanity. AI could be used to to send misinformation. GPT, uh, you know, you can use it to comp compile uh, essays that are complete nonsense and spread them easily all over the internet. That's the biggest concern: misinformation. And or you can use it to really come up with very practical solution. For example, building chemical, building molecules, and developing medicine. Oh yeah, but it can also develop uh, biological warfare. That's not the issue of the AI. The issue is humans. Right. And if we don't deal with ourselves, of course, the machines are going to be awfully confused. Wait, they went to kill them, save them. You know what? We're just going to kill them because they don't even know what they want from us. So it's so interesting. So now also talk about because there's so much happening right now in the sky. <laughs> talk about the fact that the nodes and explain what that means for people who don't even understand that, that the nodes have just shifted as well. So there's like a lot of huge shifts happening, which what I love about this, too, again, it's not just personal, but you should talk about it, how it affects on two levels at the personal level. But it just really shows you as like a greater consciousness, as a greater community, what it seems like we're kind of being asked. To I don't know. It feels like you can tell there's a bigger shift being asked of all of us. But talk about the notes as well. That's one of the reasons why I called my book for 2023, the movement of the people, because there's so many planets moving above that there's reflecting in so much change here. Now, one of the biggest thing is in the book of 2023, I said this, Saturn is moving in March also. 2023 into Pisces for the first time in 30 years. And I checked. Anytime Saturn was in Pisces, there were crazy floods, crazy, crazy floods. And this year, it's all over. Now, I can't, you know, I talked to my friends about it. I can't post. I told you guys, Saturn in Pisces is going to be a lot of floods. And look at the picture of people drowning, you see? You know, because right, right, terrible, right. terrible, ethically speaking. One person told me, no, you should say it because at least people understand astrology. Well, they should read my book. But the idea is that Saturn in Pisces is definitely bringing a lot of our issues with water. And of course, there's a lot of flooding also because the temperatures are changing, because there's a lot of craziness. Now we know that from climate change that in the south part of the world, there's going to be more droughts. In the northern part of the, of the uh, planet, there's going to be more uh, rains, more floods. And what happened is that all of this water doesn't know where to go. Again, water bearer. You know, we don't have the sorry, sorry, sorry that we don't have the water, the, the flow of water yet. We're not completely there yet. Not only that, the ice the, the ice is melting. Sea levels are rising. That's Saturn in Pisces. Pisces is the ocean. Who is remind, the ruler? Remind Neptune. people how long Saturn. Remind people how long yeah. Saturn stays. Until um, February two thousand twenty-six. <laughs> yeah. oh again, you can go back to 93, 94, 95 to see what was going around that time. That's a similar thing that's happening now. Also, you said the North Node. Yes, the North Node in um, July 23rd moved into, um, sorry, July 13th, it moved into Pisces, into Aries. It goes backwards. So it was in Taurus for a year and a half from December of 2021. And now it's moving from the middle of July, July 13th, into Aries, it's going to be there until January 2025. That's similar to 2005, 2006, 86, 87, 67, 68. So it's every 19 years. So what happened is that we are all asked. The North Node is like a campus, a soul campus. It's like telling us where you should look for the North. You know, the North is uh, the North Pole, the North Star. Sorry. It gives us navigation clues. So the soul needs a navigation. And once in 19 years, it returns back to Aries. And for the Babylonian, the new year starts when the North Node is in Aries. That's a very important for them, the North Node in Aries. For example, there's a whole system called Draconian chart, which moves your chart so it places the North Node in zero, zero Aries. So that was a very, very important thing for them, that dragon. It's called the head of the dragon. I just call it a dragon. And what it means is that for a year and a half now, we have to focus on the keyword of Aries, which is I am. And, to, and the South Node, which is what we're supposed to break away from, is the we are of Libra. It doesn't mean we have to cut away everything good about Libra. It just means that we now, if you want to be in a Libra situation, which is relationship, you can mm. only do it if you know who you are. And Aries, mm. I am. So the idea is that we all now have to decide who are we? You know, like the caterpillar asked Alice in Wonderland, who are you? 
once you know who you are, you can be in a relationship, you can be a friend, you can do your real job. So the idea is that you're coming back to the one, to the who are you, to your identity. And that's also the negative aspect of it is that some idiots might think that I am, I am, and become very egocentric and starts wars because Aries is about war. Aries is about aggression. Aries is about assertion, but some people assert themselves too much. So that's why it's also becoming a little bit dangerous right now because of that North Node uh, application. But that's again, on a personal level, go back to last time it happened to see what the North Node wanted from you. It's so interesting that the I am energy is what's being called upon now too, as it's switching, as Pluto's moving more into Aquarius and as the age of Aquarius is happening. Cause like your point, you can't be in a relationship if you don't know who you are. So it's like asking people, but does do all, every, does everyone do the work is the question. It's really asking people to shed everything you think you're supposed to be or how you were raised or the politics you were raised from and really question, is that what I believe? Who am I? And maybe it goes back to the same thing. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But it's like, because it feels like then that becomes the more pure form of humanity as the global relationship of each other. Um, but you're right. It's tricky and scary because... Not everybody has the tool set to do that. So then the I am gets played out in the version that they actually don't know who they are. Yes, or who they told they were. And the breaking away from from Libra is trying to figure out what other people want me to be, what other people think I should be, um, or trying to make everybody okay, you know, and losing yourself in a relationship. So these are the, the, the tail of the dragon in Libra. And then uh, we're going to have Jupiter in Taurus. It started in May, middle of May. Jupiter moved into Taurus. Jupiter is the giver of gifts. It's a good uncle from America, we call him, even though all of you guys are from America. But for us growing up in Israel, a good uncle from America used to come and bring us stuff because there was embargo of things that you can't have in Israel. So, you know, it was always chocolates from Switzerland and stuff like that. So now he's giving us Taurus energy. Taurus is better energy financially, more art, more creativity, more beauty, um, in general, it's giving us uh, more connection to the five senses. So the more you tap into your talents right now, the more you can benefit. The more you connect to um, pleasure. I'm talking you have to be hedonistic, but the more you connect to pleasure, the more Jupiter can give you. That's going to be like that until the end of May next year, and then it's going to move into Gemini. And it's a different thing. Talk about that a little bit more, what you just said, and then I want to go back to the nodes for a second. But you just said the more you can tap into pleasure, the more it will give you. Can you open that up a little bit? Yeah, because I feel that, you know, Jupiter is in Taurus. What does that mean? Fortune, Jupiter comes to the archetype of Taurus. I'm not a Taurus. Okay, be a Taurus. What does it mean? Well, you have talents. Yes, invest in them. Do you like music? Yeah, play it. Do you like good smells? Put a candle on. The more you can behave like a Taurus, the more you can benefit from Jupiter being in Taurus. It's like a truck's like. It's very simple magic, you know. So the idea is pamper yourself, take time to eat good food, uh, don't be too Spartan, you know, um, connect to your five senses, ask yourself what does your body need in order to feel better. And again, it doesn't mean that you have to eat dessert all the time because you like it. It could be also good, healthy food. You know, that's why they say healthy like a bull. Um, be stable, connect to your security. All of these things relate to Taurus. So the more you do that, the more you can benefit from Jupiter in Taurus. How, um, so going back to the nodes again with the Aries and Libra as the new nodes and then how it affects everyone. I talk a little bit again about for those who aren't as familiar with, you know, and maybe thinking like, oh, I want to take this course. And by the way, his course is also amazing if you know astrology, because as you can hear how he speaks, you attack it in such a different, unique way. So I always say this is an amazing course for everyone, but explain how also, if you know your chart, how it's not just the general I am for everyone and letting go, when you know your chart, it's also where it falls for you. And that's what's for me is going to be different than for you and for someone else, which is why it's always helpful when you have these big transits to also understand what your personal chart means. Of course. Yeah, because astrology is very democratic. Again, astrology is ruled by Aquarius. Aquarius is democracy. So that means that you have all the signs in your chart. People think, oh, he's talking about Aries or boring. I don't have anything Aries. Yes, you do. Maybe your house of career is ruled by Aries. And if you don't behave like an Aries in your career, you're not going to have a career. Or maybe it's in the house of health. 
then you have to really focus about not injuring yourself or not doing crazy things because you might have a lot of injuries because of Aries. Or maybe you're an Aries rising or maybe your moon is in Aries. So the idea is that we have all the signs in us. So when the North Node is in Aries, it's not enough to know that the I am is important. The question is, where do you need to be more of an I am? That depends where the North Node is transiting, maybe where it's moving in your specific chart. So imagine your chart to be a house. And I'm telling you, the, North, the dragon is in your house. Where in my house? It's in the bathroom. Okay, go to the bathroom. The bathroom is an area where there's a lot of water. Uh, you know, there's a tub there. It's very sensuous, whatever. That means that you have your dragon now in your bathroom and we're renovating your bathroom. Maybe it's in your living room, you know. So the same thing with your chart. Your chart has what they call houses or areas of influence, careers, uh, uh, children, family, relationship, body, friendships, all of those aspects of life. There's 12 of them. So it really is important also to know where precisely you have your areas to know where the dragon is lurking for the next year. And usually the North Node is give, giving gifts. It's not necessarily a bad something that we're supposed to learn. And when we learn, we enhance our consciousness. We, we benefit from it. Is there something that's that where the South Node is in your chart is also something mm -hmm. to look at? Like that stuff you need to really try and let go let of? Go. Yeah, it's almost as if you learned it too much. You know it very well. Don't go back to it. It's too easy. You know, it's like uh, going back to patterns that are things you've done in the past, you know. So do we come into this earth kind of more embodied like our South Node a little bit? It's like we know it so well, that's who we are. And now our goal is to evolve to our North. Yeah, it's almost like you're learning a new language and it's very easy for you to fall back to your old language and talk with that, even though you should be talking on the new language, even though it's a little bit harder. But once you do that, you'll speak the language flawlessly. So moving to more of these big transits that are happening you also mentioned especially when the course starts the day the course starts is it the same day or the same week that mercury, mercury is going to go retrograde. yeah mercury retrograde is going to start on the 23rd yep. and i remember they asked me oh do you think it's okay and i said listen it was a lot of time what happens is that i do things spontaneously and then i look instead of like checking to see the Sometimes I, I'm, I'm not a very religious person, so I like sometimes to use intuition because I think intuition is very part, very much part of astrology. Like it's part of everything. You know. So 23rd, what's happening is that Mercury is going to start retrograding. That happens um, three times a year for three weeks. That means returning back to knowledge that you might have had in a past lifetime. It means a lot of uh, coincidences, much more synchronicities, and astrology is based on synchronicities. So we're going to have that uh, started in uh, August 23rd until September 17th. The, the time where it's very, very intense is uh, September 20th, uh, August 23rd to September 5th, because we're going to have Mercury retrograde and Venus retrograde at the same time. It's kind of rare, but it happens. And um, that's a time where there is a lot of miscommunication with relationships, especially with significant others, with uh, partners at work, partners in life. Let's talk about Venus retrograde, actually, because that's interesting right now, right? The fact that Venus is kind of doing a big thing in the moment. Yeah, because Venus retrograde means that there is a lot of, it's not the best time to start any new relationships. It's not a good time to sign partnership agreements. It's not a good time to get divorced or get married or get engaged or uh, start new uh, connections with people because they say like Mercury retrograde, it might not last until up until after Mercury Venus goes direct. So it's always to be a little bit more careful, not to spend too much money. Uh, sometimes you can't, you know, you can't avoid it. It just happens. You have to spend money. But if you're aware of it, you know, so of course, any kind of uh, beauty surgery to be, able to, uh, to be a little bit more careful, plastic surgeries or anything like that. But in the other sense, it's always something good and something good could mean it, maybe an old talent is returning. Suddenly you have this itch to uh, start playing piano again because you haven't done it for a long time. Uh, that could be returning to you. So don't be afraid of an itch that you suddenly have for old talents that might come back. And a lot of time, exes return. That's kind of funny. It doesn't mean that you have to be with them, but it's sometimes part of it. Yeah. They pop up. But yeah. talk a little bit more about Venus that way and... Um, Talk about it a little bit more, like about Venus and what it means and why then the retrograde actually, like you said, can be a very good thing. Yeah, Venus is all about, Venus is considered to be one of the beneficial plants, like Jupiter, like the sun. So usually she helps us. It's the goddess of love. It's the goddess of money. It's the goddess of justice. 
But when she's retrograde, imagine this beautiful woman on high heels. Now she's forced to go backwards. So she's, you're not in her main focus right now. She's trying to make it to the other side of the road, you know. So when she's retrograde, all of these things are considered to be not working very well or might not, if you start something, it might not last beyond September 5. So that's why people get divorced around this time, might regret a divorce. That's why I'm optimistic that this uh, change that they did in the law here in Israel, right when Mercury, when Venus is retrograde, might be overrun in the future or reversed in the future. So anything you do during Venus retrograde might not last longer than when Venus goes direct in September 5. Is that why when you talk about be careful about spending too much money because it feels like whatever yeah. you're spending on won't really stick? You're not, or you're not going to get the benefits from it. Like you're spending money for nothing. You're going to have to spend it again. You know? But if you're owed money, sometimes your money comes back. I, I, I um, um, refinanced my house in Mercury, in Venus retrograde. Perfect time to do that because it's refinanced. What you can do always in retrograde, the key is... Can you do anything with a prefix RE? Can you re-edit, re-examine, re-evaluate, revisit, redo, redesign, reconnect? So usually the end, you can do it with an RE before it's kind of safe to do it. So you can start something new in a relation in a in Mercury retrograde if you tried it in the past and failed. That's so interesting. And by the way, I love talking about it. We've talked about it before on this podcast too just putting it out there to people like retrogrades are not a bad thing. I mean, especially with Mercury retrograde, everyone's always like, mm-hmm. and it's like, I can't leave the house for, you know, three weeks because it's Mercury retrograde and everything's going to go wrong. And it's like, it doesn't mean things have to go wrong. It can actually mm-hmm. mean things go right if you know how to use the energy. Yeah, like everything. Winter doesn't have to be bad. There's something beautiful. I'm dancing in the rain, right? Um, I travel always in winter specifically to places people don't like to travel. For example, London, Sofia, you know, a lot of these places I go in the winter to experience snow, to experience the place where the rest of the people are suffering. I find it interesting, maybe because I'm just coming there for a week and I'm escaping, okay. But still, there is something interesting about experiencing winter. And I live in LA, when a place that there is no summer and then a little bit less summer and then summer again. So the idea (laughs) is that There is something beautiful. There is something beautiful about, I don't have to tell you, you live in the place where the foliage is there and it's so beautiful. But what is that beauty? It's the beauty of death. It's basically these poor leaves dying and we're coming and taking pictures of them. Yeah, because there's something beautiful about death as well. And there's something beautiful about Mercury retrograde and Saturn return. Well, I mean, and I think that's important too. It's like you're saying everything is a cycle and everything has its its import. And same thing when you learn about your own chart and you realize that some aspects or transits might be more quote unquote challenging, but that doesn't mean they're bad. Like talk about that a little bit too. Oh, I, do, I think so. I don't think, I think the bad and good is things that we attach. Uh, mm-hmm. Morality is very problematic. You know, one of the first things I've learned in this kind of spiritual, my, my spiritual path is that when angel looks from above at us, they can't see bad and good. It's all nonsense that, uh, you know, religious people taught us to control us because Everything is an experience. The same way that if you know jazz, sometimes there's harmonies, sometimes there's disharmony. You know, it's not like always all the path in your in music is perfect harmony. You know, sometimes there is this dissonance that leads into harmony. And without that dissonance, the harmony will not be harmonious. So the idea is that um, we need to improvise. And it's okay if sometimes we have a little bit of a low, uh, because that's the only way to see the high. Does the idea of bad and good fall anywhere in the chart? I think that there is certain signs maybe that are a little bit more moralistic in a sense or more focused on yes, no, you know, uh, but I think also that there's times that you are more um, focused on yes and no or good and bad. And, you know, yes, when Saturn moves into the house of death, it's statistically speaking, probably more difficult because you're dealing with the angel of death and, we're alive, so death doesn't always have to be good. But some element of death is necessary even when we're alive. So I try to look at it much more without sugar sugar coating it, looking at it. This is you know that necessary. I think we talked about how the for the Greek for the ancient Greek the highest entity you can say the highest deity is Ananke, which is basically the goddess of necessity. 
certain things are necessary to happen in order for us to grow. What signs do you feel like fall more in kind of that morality police area? You know, I think that sometimes Earth signs like Capricorn and Virgo can be a little bit more like that. But also mm-hmm. over Sagittarius, that is too much Sagittarius can be very, very moralistic and very preachy, you know. So it really depends on the sign. Yeah, I think that any sign that is too much of can become focused on that. You know, I'm just reading now a book about the new research about when did the Jews actually become the Jews, you know. It's basically, there is apparently 1,000 years of uh, no history in Judaism since the destruction of the temple we talked about when Pluto was in um, Aquarius until about uh, when the Talmud starts spreading around 1,000. And there's like this 1,000 years in the Dark Ages, but even before that, we don't know much about it. And the interesting thing is that at that time, there was this struggle between um, what we call pagan, which is basically a bad word that uh, Christians and Jews invented to talk about polytheists and monotheists. And what happened when the monotheists became very judgmental, they started fighting among themselves and also killing anybody who is not part of their religion. But the polytheists usually accepted other people's um, um, traditions, other people's gods. So it's very easy for Horus to become Jupiter, for Isis to become Juno, or to travel around, or Mercury to become Hermes. They can always find ways in which their gods kind of connected. So I think that what happened is that when you become too extreme in your belief and your creed, you become more moralistic. And that's what's happening. You can meet a mystic from Islam, a Sufi, and he will have absolutely no problem with what you believe in because he knows that you believe in the one. But you can find somebody who is a mullah, who is some kind of crazy guy who sends people to blow up and blow up other Muslims even because he thinks his brand of Muslim Islam is the most important one. So... I don't know if it's so much about certain signs as much as how much fanatical people are in the context of their sign. And talk about some, I feel like this brings us all the way back to where we started kind of with Aquarius and the age of Aquarius and Pluto moving into Aquarius and kind of expanding beyond. Um, so talk about what it would mean, a li- like give a little overview of like how where Aquarius falls in your chart, how that could have a totally different effect on you. Yeah, so wherever you have Aquarius is where you have to balance your sense of individuality, because that's what Aquarius is, and your connection to your group or your community, which is what Aquarius is, which is kind of interesting. They're both. So Aquarius rules your individuality and your rebellion, right? Because revolution, even, um, it's interesting, Uranus, which is the modern ruler of Aquarius, was discovered when Pluto was in Aquarius last time. Hmm. So again, going to wow. discover a lot of things about the stars and, and in general, science, uh, when Pluto is in Aquarius. But the idea is that wherever you have Aquarius is where you have a sense of community. But within that community, it's also showing in what way can you be an individual as well. It also shows in your chart your connection to technology and where you can use technology the most. It also shows where you need to be the most original and innovative. It also shows where you can uh, contribute to humanity the most. You know, for example, I have Aquarius in the, in the 12th house. It's kind of interesting. It's the house of past lifetime, but it's also the house of mysticism. And I knew from an early age that I'm a rebel of mysticism, a rebel of religion. You know, I study religion, but I'm not religious. And also my contribution, hopefully, for humanity is to show a different brand of mysticism or a different way of looking at past lives or mysticism or uh, those aspects that have to do with the 12th house. So wherever you have Aquarius, let's say you have it in the house of career, a lot of time I tell people, oh, you have it in the house of career. It doesn't matter what you do. It matters who you're doing it for and who you're doing it with, because that's what Aquarius is. Or try to be more individualistic in your career. And at the same time, try to find your community and try to implement a lot of technology there and think outside of the box and don't be afraid to be a rebel. You know, you have it in the house of relationship. Well, you're looking for somebody who's really funny and unique and spontaneous and a little bit crazy somebody that you get along with their friends, right? Or that he can become your friend. So you can always put that context of the archetype depends on where it is in your chart. Well, I think that's a perfect place to wrap up because that on in your course, August 23rd is exactly what you guys are going to be learning, right? I mean, talk a little bit about that. You're going to understand your own chart. You'll understand the homes, where things lie and what that means and how to translate it. Yeah, we're going to start off with explaining the principles of astrology, the alphabet, which is going to be the first session. We're going to talk about the signs. There's a story uh, that I tell about the signs. 
Um, then we're going to talk about the planets themselves and the archetypes. Then we're going to talk about how to identify in your chart the sun, the moon, the three different planets. We're going to talk about the houses. And then a lot of the classes are going to be in looking at charts of people and starting to put it all together and kind of working with it. Some people ask if there's going to be a lot of homework. The homework is do as many charts as you can. There's no homework. Or listen again to what we did with the class. There's also a handout that I give. There's some books I recommend for people to read, but it's not like you have to prepare for next week. You don't have to stress about it. It's um, a very deep, free-flowing class. It's like, Hopefully, it will make it interesting enough for you to continue studying. Not to mention, you get your genius take on all of it, and you, live, with questions and answers. Yeah, and Yeah, we always do many, many charts, especially in the last four classes. It's very much a lot about looking at charts and identifying them and recognizing what's going on. I mean, the luckiest. You are a pleasure. It's Thank amazing you. what's happening out there. I think it was such an interesting conversation, really understanding kind of the shift we're in and why we're feeling literal tension in every shape and form, whether it's through nature, personally, you mm -hmm. know, politically, there's just, it feels like it's a pressure cooker. And I think you explaining how things are shifting explains why this pressure cooker is existing. Well, thanks a lot for giving us the platform to communicate. And um, for those of you who are celebrating summer, happy summer. For those of you who are winter, happy winter. Um, just make sure with Saturn in Pisces that you have a nice bathing suit. <laughs> the Saturn in Pisces freaked me out a little bit because it just, yeah, I mean, I get it. There's going to be a lot of water issues. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully, yeah. But you're right. We're creating yeah. it ourselves, which yeah. is so sad. Just so sad. All right. If you guys want more, sign up for this course. I'll talk about it afterwards as well. Um, you are always a pleasure. Let's get you back when we get you back soon so we can do a few more reports like this because it's so helpful. Definitely. I'm, I'm all yours. Okay. Stay safe. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Great. We hope you enjoyed that episode. I know I am thinking about so many things I need to be a little bit more self-aware of and a little bit more conscious of how I'm going to behave or choices I'm going to be making. So I wonder if you guys are feeling the same way. Drop a line and let us know. But to repeat the information for the course, if you're intrigued to take it with him, it starts August 23rd. It is an eight-week course. It's live online though. So you can take it from anywhere in the world, 5.30 PM West coast time or 8.30 PM East coast time. So whatever that means for you, wherever you are. And again, those are Wednesday nights for eight weeks. If you miss a class, no worries. You can watch the recording whenever you would like. Frankly, you could take the whole class on a recording, but then you do miss the opportunity of interacting with him. He will be, he was saying the last four weeks, as he said on the podcast, will be doing a lot of charts. So you really don't want to miss this opportunity. And I did say this in the intro, but to remind you, if you've already started taking astrology, just because this is astrology 101 you should still take it because if you've never taken a course with him he explains things in a completely different way and i promise it will blow your mind and bring in elements to these signs elements to the planets elements to the houses you've never even thought of before um so go right now denmeditation.com sign up it starts august 23rd and hopefully we will see you there say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.